You can support this podcast on patreon.com forward slash firstpawmedia. Here's to the adventure-seeking dog mushers out there. The hundreds of you who stand on the runners dreaming and thinking about the Northern Lights. Of course, there is something else you can do if you've got something to say. Start a podcast with First Paw Media and harness your creative side. Maybe even earn enough money. Enough money to tell yourself, hey, I'm not just a dog musher. I'm a rover. I'm a wanderer. I'm a voyager. I'm an explorer. Visit firstpaw.media. Mush on over today. Radio Free Palmer 89.5 KVRF presents Mushing Radio, hosted by Robert Forto. Mushing Radio is about dog-powered sports, living in the Great White North, and mushing. Visit our website at mushingradio.com. Here is your host, Robert Forto. Hello and welcome everybody. This is Robert and you're listening to Mushing Radio here on KVRF 89.7 in the Matsu Valley. RadioFreePalmer.org is our live streaming site and you can find all of our episodes over on RadioFreePalmer.org. And if you like what you hear, you can always subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, as well as check us out on social media by searching First Paw Media. And tonight I am joined by a dog driver and musher calling in from Villa Rica, Georgia. It's a town right outside of Atlanta. I met this lady at the ISDRA conference a couple of weeks, almost a month ago now, and I am very excited to talk with her and her story. Her name is Anna Marmon. Anna, how's it going today? Oh, it's going pretty well. Just getting home from work, and uh, it's uh, very warm here in Georgia today. It is beautiful up here in Alaska. We finally have summer, and summer to us is about 65 or 70 degrees. I would imagine that's a little bit different than down south, isn't it? Oh, very, very different. I I would love to have your temperatures for summer. So I am excited to talk to you tonight, Anna. I know I reached out to you on social media here a couple of weeks ago, uh, and and it's going to be a fun episode because you guys are doing a bunch of great things down there in Georgia. In particular, you hope to get to the World Championships in Spain, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. But before we do all that, Anna, can you tell us quickly who you are and what you're all about, please? So... We're we're a very small team. Um, we've only been in the sport about four and a half years. Uh, I've got four Siberian Huskies and two Datsuns, um, which really my parents have kind of taken my Datsuns. They're getting more into retirement, and they just have so much joy with the Datsuns, and uh, it's been a good move for us uh, to do. But I do have my four Siberian Huskies, and uh, we do dry land. We focus on dry land racing, but we also do a little bit of sled racing as well. Um, I've got three adults, uh, where one of my adults is now, she prefers, she's not a racing line Siberian. She prefers to do more of the cane across, uh, which is great. I, I love doing stuff like that and biathlons with her. And then I've got, uh, my, my two young boys, I've got a three-year-old and a, and a, um, a year and a half, um, male that, uh, they just, they just love their racing line, uh, Siberians, and they just love to do this sport, and it's been so fulfilling to do it with them. And then we just added a, a puppy, uh, also a racing line puppy to our team as well. So we're doing a lot of uh, puppy development this summer before we get into the fall. 
but we do, we focus on bike drawing, scooter drawing, cane across, and then the small teams for sled. So you had mentioned that you have dachshunds, and of course, those are a widely different breed than the Siberian. The Siberian is my breed of choice. I got my first Siberian way back in 1987 and started mushing with those guys in 1994. So I'm very familiar with those guys. But how in the world did you fall down that rabbit hole, so to speak, and jump into not only the Siberians, but also, of course, uh, dog sports, mushing, dryland, all of that. How'd you get started in that? So as a kid, you know, and I think this is like pretty much a lot of people's story is I love the movie Iron Will. You know, that was my eight-year-old self. What I, what I would give to high-five my eight-year-old self uh, today <laughs> uh, that we made it. But, you know, I just loved that movie as a kid, as, as a lot of mushers just did uh, growing up. And then, but, you know, we lived, um, you know, small town here in Georgia. And, uh, and then I ended up going to university, uh, Georgia Tech uh, in Atlanta and Georgia as well. And I mean, when I graduated, I, I would have loved to have just had, had gone ahead and fulfilled that, fulfilled that you know, dream and gotten a Siberian. Um, but got married. We ended up getting cats first. So we've also got cats running around the house. And I was like, okay, maybe we'll start off with something that the cats can handle. So we ended up going with Dotsons. So we got the Dotsons and they're 10 years old now. And like I said, um, they go and they, they, they travel and they do so much with my parents. Um, and then I ended up becoming, I work in the automotive industry and that is a very intense industry. And, um, you know, I worked a lot of hours. I did a lot of traveling. I'm very, you know, grateful for the the type of traveling that I've gotten to do around the world uh, with my job. But I realized that I really just was lacking that work-life balance. And um, after one of my launches about, you know, five and a half years ago, I said, you know, I really need to, I should focus on work-life balance. So I said, this is time. We're going to get this Siberian. I really want the Siberian. And I had opportunities to get some Siberian, you know, some other Siberians, maybe um, uh, like confirmation type Siberians. And uh, work kind of got in the way and extended some of the travel I was doing. And my husband was just like, absolutely not. <laughs> you're not getting a puppy while you're still not home 98% of the time. So I said, okay, fair enough. So I waited and then um, just this puppy came along that I just had to have and uh, ended up getting my first Siberian in uh, early 2018. And, you know, I was meant to have this dog. I cannot tell you this dog has just shaped, has just changed. She's just changed everything. She's my soulmate. She's my best friend. Um, You know, she's my always. I love what this dog has done to my life. Um, she, she has turned me into a runner, a hiker, a biker, uh, an ultra marathon runner, a musher, an AKC sport. We, we've gotten into all the AKC sports, a U.S. canine biathlon runner, and she's just changed so much. And she's not a, um, she, she's not a purpose bred. She's a non-purpose bred Siberian, but man, she carries all, all this kind of purpose on her shoulders. And it's been wild what this dog has sparked. And um, and I've really just enjoyed getting into the sport with her. Um, and then after after her, we did, I did end up getting uh, uh, some racing line. I was very fortunate that, you know, we I had some really nice kennels like Jay Fouché up in New Hampshire with Cybersong Siberians or Cybersong sled dogs. 
that took a chance on me to give me my first uh, racing line Siberian, even though I lived in Georgia. And, uh, and so I, I've gotten, you know, two more dogs since then from, from other breeders uh, along the same lines. And uh, it's just, I absolutely just breathe this sport in this, in this breed. It, it's been phenomenal. You know, Anna, I don't know if you know this by listening to, to my podcast, but as I mentioned, I got started with, with mushing way back in 1994. And at the time I was living in Portland, Oregon, I was a broke college kid. And uh, of course I had my first Siberian, his name was Axel, but I took a chance by answering an ad in a dog magazine back in the day. Uh, they had a few magazines that uh, catered to, to, you know, the dog lifestyle, if we would, obedience and confirmation and all that. And there was a breeder in Georgia, as a matter of fact, that was breeding sled dog uh, Siberians. And I jumped in the car. I drove down there, met up with her. She lived in the mountains of Georgia. I can't even recall uh, the name of it right now, but they're in, in far western Georgia. Drove down there, and she said would you like to go for a ride? And I said, of course. And she hooked up a team of dogs to a old sit-down cart called a Seiko cart. And we took off through the hills there. And I drove home in my Datsun 280Z, a very small sports car with two Siberian Husky puppies. And that's how I got my start was from a kennel in Georgia. So even though it is really resurging uh, here in uh, you know 2023 now, Way back in the 90s, they were still talking about dog mushing in Georgia. And I thought that was a cool story to include here because it's not very often we talk about this sport in your neck of the woods, is it? No, this is wild. Um, it's definitely exploded here in the last few years. And uh, it's, been, it's been an exciting ride. It, it sure has. And, you know, I, I, I just can't believe how fascinated people are with the sport in your area. I remember you talking at the ISDRA conference. Uh, I, I believe it, you, you did a small talk or, or something. Somehow or another, I found out your story. I think it was possibly when when you got your medal. Is that correct? Uh, you told a bit of your story then? It, it all runs together when, when you attend those oh, conferences. Yeah we, we did, yeah, we ended up, we did so many things at that conference, and uh, and I absolutely love the, the ISDRA organization. Um, that 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 conference was based around. So with that, uh, you 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 along with some other folks have uh, really taken this by the horn, so to speak, and really uh, embraced the sport down there and are doing a lot of great things. But I guess my question to you is, how did you find out? about the the sport and what it offered down there. Of course, as you mentioned, you started off with Iron Will like a lot of us did, but it's not necessarily a hotbed. So how did you find out about the races and, and all that going on? Or did you guys just kind of start your own down there? I was looking. Um, so I, I get Lumi. I get my heart dog. I get my first, uh, my first Siberian. And I was thinking, man, wouldn't it be cool just to, like, go to someone's kennel? Maybe, like, and I laugh about this now because at the time I was thinking, you know, reasonable driving distance is, like, five hours. And whereas I go to, like, 10 races in a season and they're, like, 16 hours away, it's no big deal for a weekend trip. 
Um, but at the time I was like, you know, I started doing this research to see, you know, maybe someone will let, let us come like once a year or something and get this sled or this snow experience. And I'll take my Lumi and we'll go try this out. So I come across Sled Dog Center website and, uh, and they've got a list of mentors. Well, unfortunately, it was very outdated um, back in uh, the end of 2018. It was very outdated. Anyone that I reached out to within, you know, a reasonable distance um had either moved further north or they were out of the sport and so i kept hitting dead ends but then i came across someone that had moved further north but she said hey why don't you check out some of these facebook pages that offered um you know that had the kind of the community you might could reach out and find someone there so i get on facebook and i'm looking and that's when i saw the dryland stuff so in my head i'm only thinking sled but then i get on facebook and they've got bike jewelry and they got scooter jewelry and they got rigs they got you know they've got all these these disciplines i was like oh my goodness i can do that in georgia and so I start looking and I start, you know, I'm like stalking Facebook, you know, trying to figure out. And I see stuff like there was a couple of um, states that had, you know, Central Florida had an urban mushing club. They had, you know, different the Windy City mushers up in Chicago. And, I, you know, I was coming across these different clubs. So I'm like searching my fanny off on online looking for what is in Georgia. Is there something in Georgia? I want to come learn this. And there was nothing. And so I poked on that on one of the big groups. I'm like, hey, is anyone happen to be from Georgia? And so I think I had like three people pipe up this. Oh, we're also from Georgia. We're also learning. So I go online or I go on Facebook and I create a group called Georgia Urban Mushing, not intending it to like take off or be anything big or anything at all. Just a space on on social media that we could meet up, you know, I can meet up with strangers <laughs> in the forest <laughs> and, you know, feel like, okay, let's learn this together. And so we start, uh, we end up, you know, I created this end of 2018 and then we end up as a, you know, a small group of us. Okay, let's host it. Let's host a meetup and let's get together. Well, when we posted it, it ended up kind of blowing up and all these people came out and I got kind of nervous. I'm like, I don't, you know, I don't, don't know what I'm doing yet. <laughs> and, uh, and so, but it was, it was this fantastic thing that everyone came together and we're all learning together. And then we actually had some people People from um, uh, another local uh, club, uh, Canacross USA, Georgia, that came out as well. And they actually had somewhat of a clue <laughs> what we were doing. And so we followed them. And, and it's just it's just blown up since we've hosted so many meetups, so many, you know, we've got so many different leaders within the club now that has, you know, come forward and they'll host uh, meetups. We've hosted challenges. We'll host teams. So like we'll get involved in another competition, whether it be the, the canine biathlon or it be a virtual race or something. And we'll host a team. And it's just been this great thing that everyone's helped each other. And then, we started, uh, so we, we hosted our second one. We hosted our first one last uh, last year in uh, 2022. We hosted our first dryland race down here. And I had already started going up with other people to some of the northern races. 
and kind of benchmarking off of them. And oh my gosh, the other race marshals, the, R- the other RGOs, they've just been phenomenal. Any question that I've come and I've asked, they've been gracious enough to give me information on, you know, their lessons learned. And, and I go up there and I ask different racers, what do you like? What do you not like? You know, and we've been able to bring this back down to the South and host two really good races down here that we've got great feedback. And then this year we were able to sanction it with ISRA and then uh, get accreditation with IFSS, which is uh, International Federation Sled Dog Sports. So which, you know, brings additional value to your race if you can offer up a point system as well that racers can come and get. But also, you know, we're really appreciative for these sanctionings with these organizations because to get the sanctioning, to get the accreditation, you have to follow all these rules and all this structure for your race. So it's been this great thing that we've been able to deliver a a good quality race and the team down here, and it, it, you know, it's not just been a couple of people, it's been an entire team that has gotten engaged with the sport and been able to launch uh, even the dryland races down here. I love it. I, I think the more that this sport can grow, the better it will be. A, a couple of years ago, I did about 100, 150 episodes or so with a good friend of mine, Karoj Parto, and we talked strictly to sprint drivers all around the world, and pretty much all of them said that the future, at least of that uh, part of the sport, is definitely dry land, where you're talking about bike joring and canicross and rig and scooter and all that. And of course, uh, the more, the merrier. And and, and I, I'm a firm believer that uh, you can pretty much do that anywhere around the world. I mean, they do it in Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, and of course, now here in the southern part of the United States. Anna, before we talk about uh, your ISDRA journey a little bit and potentially going over to compete in the world championships later in the year, Something that really piqued my interest a couple of weeks ago and caused me to reach out to you was an obstacle course race that you did uh, with one of your dogs. Was that something that you and your group helped organize or was that something else? And if so, tell us a little bit about that. So it's the U.S. Canine Biathlon, which uh, One World, uh, so it's been changed out to a different name. So it's One World uh, canine, uh, canine Run or something like that. Uh, but it's it's this obstacle course race. And no, we we, we do not uh, host it. It's got a phenomenal race director that, that hosts it. And uh, we are just a competing team. But I, I will say the top racers in this obstacle course race, they do it cane across style. And you have to have a, you have to have a fantastic bond with your dog to, to get through that course and to perform at your best. So what it is, is it's like a giant agility obstacle course. It's almost like a, I don't know if anyone, you know, knows if it's a, you know, widespread thing, what a savage race is, that sort of thing, um, or a barbarian race. But this is like the same thing, except it's catered to, it's safe for the dog to do as well. So it's obstacles that the dogs can do as well. And and I think it's like 40-something different obstacles, uh, and it's about four miles. You're trekking through creeks. You're going up over giant A-frames. You're sniper crawling through mud. You're going up and over so many cars, going over barriers. You're going through tunnels. You're going like under the road through the pipings and uh, up and over. You're crawling over buses. It, it is it is it's wild. Um, and anyone can do it. You can walk it. You can run it. You can jog it. It's at whatever pace you want to go at. 
whatever pace that you finish this thing at, you are a rock star. Just finishing this with your dogs. And just the, I cannot describe it. And I've done it with all of my dogs. Uh, my bet, I've done it multiple times with Lumi. I've done it with my Datsuns. I've done it with uh, my racing line sled dogs. They're not as fun to do it on <laughs> uh, because they don't really like, they don't have a good regulation as far as like, uh, so like, for example, my three-year-old racing line dog, he gets the goal. He, he understands that, hey, obstacle we're to go up and over we're to tackle this obstacle my problem is is he wants to take it at speed <laughs> want to go up and over a giant spool at speed <laughs> so um you know he's he's there there are a lot and the same thing I, I did it with my um at the time he was 19 months old um uh, Siberian racing line dog. I did it this past May with, and he's a lot <laughs> to be attached to going over some of these obstacles. He's my strongest, uh, my strongest blood dog. It was not the most fun experience <laughs> just because of the, but I'm glad that I did it with them. I'm glad for the, you know, the photographers out there get these fantastic pictures. Um, my Dotson is easily my second best dog. Uh, one of my female Dotson, she's 10 years old and can tackle that biathlon like it's no tomorrow. Um, but my my absolute best dog, and I run my fastest through the course, is my heart dog. It's it's, it's my Lumi um, that I do it with because she has such great teamwork. She gets up to the top of the A-frame and she waits until I'm up and over and I cue her when I'm halfway down so that she doesn't jerk me off the, the obstacle and, you know, I fall to the ground. We just have such teamwork and we move as one soul out there on the course so she's absolutely my best dog and and i love that my non-purpose my non-racing line siberian has something that she just can thrash my thrash my my uh, my racing line boys at and uh and so but no it is you get done with that whether you ran it where you whether you walked it just completing it is the best feeling in the world and uh and i will say that the dogs are very clingy the next few days they're like oh we're we're like one one person now right and uh and, and so they they get um th- there's definitely a, a a change in the bond when you go through one of these canine biathlons and, y- and you do this together i i love this and as you're talking anna i am ready to jump on a plane right now and go to one of these events i think it is the coolest thing possible as you mentioned it's sort of a a hybrid between a dryland race and a spartan race and at one of those barbarian type races that you mentioned or just uh an agility course for your dog. I guess I just have one final question on this. Is this a a series? Is it just one group that does this and they build these obstacles per course? Or is it is it like a club or what? How is it how is it organized? So it used to be that this was really one of the only ones. And there used to be one. So this one is in Alabama, uh, is in Aniston, Alabama. And then they had an, a different group, a uh, different organization had one. It used to be in like Kentucky. I'm not, I'm not heard of they're still doing this one. But I know that Michigan uh, up in the northern area had one also beginning of, uh, I think it was beginning of June. And, uh, and they had one. I was very tempted. And I was like, Anna? you are going to Ohio. Like you're driving, you're driving too much. Your car is like, no way. <laughs> so we ended up dialing it back and not going to the one in Michigan, but they are starting to pop up. But I, the mother of them all is, is, is really down in, in Alabama. And it's such a nice event. They have it. It's on the same course, but they do it. This one they do twice a year. So in May, 
they have uh, more of the competitive uh, wave, which you can have, you can race competitive and you can race not competitive. Um, there's no pressure on eating to be competitive. They've got, you know, different seating. They've got elite uh, times. They've got team time. You can run individual. You can run as a team. You can run, you know, recreational later in the day, low pressure. Um, but uh, they then do in the fall, it's called a rewind. And they will do that same course that they did in May, they'll do in reverse. And then the following year, they will keep some of the main obstacles, but then they will add in some new flair uh, so that you're always interested in, okay, what new obstacle do they have, you know, this year that we've got to tackle and prepare for? And there's people that train for this, you know, you've got to be able to carry your dog across a log. And if you've got a, you know, 80 pound dog, you got to figure that out. <laughs> but, you know, I've also raced it with a 10 pound dog and she's got to swim the, cre- the entire creek <laughs> upstream. So there's a lot, you know, there's pros and cons about what dog you bring. And, you know, you got to be strategic if you're wanting to be competitive. And uh, there are some things to prep the dogs for as far as getting them comfortable to take, you know, different obstacles. And, you know, for a lot of dogs, it's, you're asking them to do something that doesn't make sense. Um, like the racing dog that I took in May, he's just like, why are we going up and through all this stuff? It's faster to go around. So I felt like <laughs> at every obstacle, I'm like, buddy, buddy, we're supposed to go through this tunnel. He's like, nope, mom, we're supposed to go around. And, um, and so it's, it's a lot of uh, foundation work that, you know, to get the dogs, you want to make sure the dog's not stressed when you're going through a course like that, because there are other dogs out on the course and, uh, you know, you want to make sure that you're not stressing your dog out doing it, but just, just to kind of do some prep work in advance and, you know, make sure that everyone's having fun. And if they're not having fun, okay, dial it back. You can skip anything that, that you need to, you know, you just take a time penalty, which is in the grand scheme of things, not a big deal. It's all, it's all about the dogs. It is all about the dogs. And, and you have definitely sparked my interest. I think I'm going to find out about this and, uh, I, I'm going down to, to, uh, to uh, Alabama next May for sure. This is something I definitely want to do with one of my dogs, 100%. So, Anna, let's switch gears. I know that we're way over time for our radio listeners, but that's okay. That's why this is a podcast. So we're just going to keep going here. As I mentioned at the top of the show, we have a lot to talk about, and we have not even talked about you potentially heading over to Spain in a couple of months to run in the World Championships. And for folks that are listening, you've probably seen on social media that they've really struggled to try to figure this out this year uh, with the dates and the location and all that. But it looks like they've got all that settled and things are now rocking and rolling. What is going on with, with the World Championships? What are you potentially competing in? What are your thoughts on getting over there? Tell us all about it, please. So I have applied. I definitely have not made it. <laughs> I have applied. Um, and, and hopefully we hear back uh, by, by the end of the month. Um, but we do, you know, hopefully we get the, our racers in general for the U.S. Get, get the direction as who's on the team because, you know, flights have to be made and everything to get the dogs over there and to get on, you know, it's, it's a lot of logistics uh, challenges that has to happen. Um, And especially, you know, if you've got to raise money and fundraise, which is something that we would have to do as well. But we've applied. Uh, My goal was I wanted to, even if I didn't make it, I wanted to train and compete this past season. Like I wanted to be on the world championship team uh, and compete for Team USA. And I figured at the end of the day, even if we didn't make it, 
I'm at least competing at my best. I, I'm I'm working hard, like I want to be at that level, and uh, and that's the kind of worth ethic that I that I wanted to have this past season. I was glad, I was very you know proud of my boys' performances. Um, they did very well in the ISDRA uh, rankings. We did very well in the IFSS uh, World Cup rankings as well. And so, but we've applied for one dog uh, bike drawer for registered Northern breed. And we've also uh, applied for two dog scooter registered Northern breed. Now our scooter is going to be a little bit more challenging because um, we've not, we've been mostly a two dog this past season. We've been a two dog bike drawer team and uh, we're trying, we're quickly transitioning that to, into scooter. So we want to make sure we've got enough uh, experience on there uh, for scooter, but definitely one dog bite jaw uh, is is what uh, I'd really like to go over there for and compete in. And it's not just I want to go over there and compete, but I want to go over there. I want to see how they're hosting races over there. You know, as an RGO now in Georgia and uh, and getting involved in ISDRA as as a uh, as a director um, as well as being uh, director at USFSS. I really want to go and benchmark off of, hey, what are the Europeans doing? What are they doing internationally? What are what can I take away from their race? What does a world championship race look like? You know, eventually, you know, we'd like to host one here in the U.S. I'd like to be a part of that. I'd like to, you know, kind of help and uh, and bring that feeling, you know, to the U.S. You know, I'd like to build relationships over there in Europe and, and not just Europe. You know, there's people coming from Latin America, Argentina, you know, from New Zealand. And they're coming from around the world. I want to see what are you doing with your dogs? I want to build these relationships to benchmark off of them and then come back and share that with, you know, with the U.S. teams as well. And uh, I really enjoy, I think my, my, my career being in automotive and being in an international uh, company and doing so much travel, I really enjoy operating in an international level. I enjoy, you know, talking with uh, racers from around the country and just seeing, hey, what are you doing? What does your program look like? What is something that I can cherry pick from what you're doing and shape what I'm doing? And, uh, and I really, I think it just builds strength in the sport. You know, when we when we build all these relationships and connections, you know, not just across the country, but also internationally as well. Yeah, one of the funnest things that I ever did on this podcast was a few years ago, we interviewed all of the athletes that were going over to Europe to compete for Team USA. I remember it was Nick and Joy and Nina and Chris and all the names you probably know that are at the top of their game in the dryland portion of of this sport. And we did all of the interviews in like two or three days. I remember I was just recording like mad uh, to get all these <laughs> interviews ready. And we we released them like all, all at once. And it was such a fun thing to do. So maybe we can do that again this year with, with all of the athletes that are heading over there because it is definitely a team uh, with camaraderie and all that. So I do wish you luck in uh, in your pursuit of that. And hopefully we can have you back on uh, to talk about uh, your races over there and uh, your experiences as well. So as we talked about, uh, Anna, with your work with ISDRA and the IFSS, for folks that are distance mushers, those are the governing bodies, if you will, of, of uh, sprint mushing in particular, where you can get medals and awards and uh, as Anna mentioned, the rules and all of that. But recently you meddled in an event or two at uh, at or with ISDRA. 
what were those medals and uh, what was the competition like to to get that? So for ISDRA, so we uh, were waiting on the final results for IFSS, but we're hoping that we medaled in, in that as well for the World Cup and for Continental. Um, but as ISDRA, they have uh, awarded those medals. And we got uh, first place, which was uh, kind of a surprise. It was not a class I had planned to race this, this past season, but we got a first place in two dog bike jaw, registered breed. And then we got a third place in one dog uh, bike jaw, registered breed. One dog bike jaw was, was going to be my main focus. Um, and then I had sort of a, a young dog um, that was doing his yearling year. And we were just kind of playing that by ear. And I was focusing on my, uh, my two-year-old, uh, to do one dog bog jor. And then I ended up, uh, doing the, doing the, the, the runs, the practice runs with them together. And oh my goodness, they, they just, they lit up together. And, uh, and so I ended up trying them out later in the season for two dog bike jaw and they were just, they were just fantastic together and just, they just loved it. So we ended up, um, uh, doing a lot of the two dog bike jaw and did really well at the races and ended up ending a first place, uh, overall for the season medal for, for ISDRA. Guys that are listening, I hope that you're taking all this in because how cool is this? A, a, a woman that really just got involved with the sport a few years ago in an area of the country where not a lot of people know about dog sports, at least in terms of the grand scheme of things, but has literally taken the sport by the horns and has done so well that she has competed in and earned medals in two very competitive classes of the sport. Anna, what in the world? You have literally gone to the next level, haven't you? Well, I will have to say that a huge part of this is how open and welcoming the mushing community is. I have, they have let me come in and, and ask a million questions I, for seriously for the, for the past, I won't say four and a half years, let's say for the past nearly three years, the, the, all these kennels and these teams that are competitive, they let me come in and they let me ask questions every day. I ask so many questions a day for the past three years on, Hey, what, what do you think on this? What are you doing for here? What are you doing for that? I visited so many kennels. I have, uh, again, I've just picked the brains of so many great teams, and then I've I've logically applied, okay, how can I make this work for my dogs? How can I make this work for the dogs that I have in front of me? Um, and, and I've just been very fortunate that people have opened up and said, hey, giving me their lessons learned, I've been able to just turn around and apply that. And I'll tell you, man, we've had, the, we've had great competition in, in registered breed and um and uh but then i mean the boys are competing really well against uh, the eurohounds the alaskans and i just i can't believe it <laughs> and um but we've just been very fortunate to have good coaches to have good mentors uh and several mentors you know we don't just stick with just one you know one mentor you ask as many questions to as many people as you can and you benchmark off of them and then you figure out what works for your team and you apply it so I think that is the true takeaway from this episode is the community that you can build around uh, your competitors, the race giving organizations, everybody in the sport of mushing is there as long as you 
are open and willing to to take uh, take coaching and mentorship, it is definitely out there. And I think that that is a big part of that. Anna, I recently started asking all of my guests the same questions. And I don't recall if I sent them over to you, but I think that I will be very excited to hear your answers. Are you ready for them? Okay, sure. <laughs> okay. All right. So obviously we've talked this whole episode about the future of the sport and sort of it taking off in a new area in the country and all that. So I'm very interested to hear what you have to say uh, for the first question. And that is, where do you see the sport of dog mushing in any capacity, whether it be something like the Iditarod or the Quest or uh, Dryland or these biathlons that we talked about? Where do you see the sport in general in the next five to 10 years? I think in the next five to 10 years, um, we're going to be looking at a lot of the micro kennels. I think you're going to be getting a lot of the smaller teams. We're going to be getting a lot of people that's already getting engaged. So they're getting engaged with the dogs that they have. Um, A lot of them are sport dogs. Some of them are pet dogs. Um, Some of them are well-bred dogs, but maybe they're not uh, bred for the sport. And then I see them crossing over and getting a lot of the um, a lot of sled bred dogs. And I think that the big focus is going to be on these smaller teams. However, uh, especially when we were talking at the ISRA convention, um, I really, you know, I, I, I like to see some attention put on how do we maintain some of these, especially in sprint. You know, I don't think in, I don't have any room to, to speak on any mid distance or long distance um teams so i don't really have a good understanding of where that's going but as far as the sprint i would like to see some focus put on how do we make sure that we don't lose the the number of teams that are in the classes for the eight dog the six dog the four dog how do we make sure that that's still thriving and all that that knowledge that is that are in those kennels that have those larger kennels you know, how do we make sure that that gets transferred on to the next teams? How do we make sure that we continue to build and uh, and bring forth those teams? So I'd like to see some focus put on that, on how do we make sure that that's still thriving while we have this explosion in the smaller teams? Uh, okay, so next question, and that is, is there one book, blog, website, something where you're spending your time? And what is it? And how can folks uh, find out more about it? I'll tell you where I should be spending my time. <laughs> so I found, I found this podcast. And now that, now that we've, now that we've brought this up, I will intentionally make sure that I listen to an episode tomorrow is uh, Frugal Friends uh, is a podcast that they really, they really shaped they had an impact on me this 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 year, early this year. And you know, frugal friends is it's you know it's about I was like okay if I want to go and compete in world championships or I want to add more dogs to my house, I have got to work on my spending. I've got to get you know tighter on my budget. I've got to have a better game plan at the house. I got to you know lean up what I'm doing. The more dogs that you know, and, you know some of these. Larger kennels are probably laughing right now, like, oh my God, I have like 50 dogs, 200 dogs. And, you know, yes, you've got your process. You're very methodical. I got to get there. You know, I got to make sure I make these changes because it's not like having a couple of dogs and, you know, you can just have all this fat in your routine. No, you got to, you know, lean up what you're doing when you add more dogs because, you know, you got to find more capacity to do things. And, uh, and so one of the biggest takeaways that I got from this podcast is, Define what holds value to you. 
And that has had the biggest impact on me this season uh, or this, this, this year so far is define what holds value to me. And I found something as simple as not going out to eat. I don't really have value of going out to eat. I prefer to come home, have something that's quick and but healthy to eat and spend time with my dogs. So bam, there went cost, some cost savings right there out the gate. And I was able to apply that for more. I was able to add another dog and, you know, buy more dog food. I can start, you know, traveling more to races. I found that I don't have to have a hotel every night that I go travel to a race. I can do some car camping and be fine with it. There, That just paid for my next gas for my next race and I can add another race on there. So I did one of the things I, I love for us to, you know, to tag team in some way across the community is how to budget like a musher. That's something that holds a lot of interest for me this this year. Frugal Friends podcast. We're going to link up to that in the show notes. I'm going to check that out as well. And I really like that topic for an episode or two about uh, how to budget like a musher. Okay, Anna. So the next question is, is there somebody in your network, whatever network means to you, that is really up to great things? Who is it and how can we find out more about them? So I do coaching or I was doing coaching with the Nick and Joy uh, Weiss. And so they're really great to, to follow on. I love what Jay Fouché is doing uh, with her kennel and her and her goals to go to, to Iditarod. Uh, you can follow her at Cybersong uh, Sled Dogs. We'll link, we'll link both of those up in our show notes. I think those are two very good uh, uh, places to visit. And as I mentioned, we've had both Nick and Joy on the podcast. So we'll link up their old shows as well. So thanks for sharing that for sure. So the next one is, we have a couple of more here before we run out of time. The next one is, what are you finding true joy in? today or what are you grateful for and i'm sure you're gonna say your dogs and 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 their competitiveness and all that what are you finding true joy or gratitude in today okay so yes the dogs but i just love to travel with them i wherever we go whatever we're doing whether we're camping whether we're going paddle boarding i you know just to get in the car and load them up and go on an adventure somewhere that that is what's bringing me true joy and uh that's all i think about you know i go to work i'm like okay we gotta go to work all day I pay we gotta really pay for the adventures uh but just to load up my car I, oh my gosh i just i love to pack and to load up my car and i'm just so excited to load the dogs up and we just drive somewhere you know we're not driving like an hour down the road we're driving like 16 20 hours down the <laughs> road but it just i love being able to buy myself, my, my, I, I, I do have a husband. He exists. You know, people question if he exists. It's just not his thing. And I'm like, look, if you're just not going to just love it, I'd rather you stay home and go play, go do your tennis matches and do something that you just love to do. And, uh, and so I, I just love being so independent um, to be able to handle all the dogs in the car and the camp and just to get to where I need to go, just do it all by myself. It just, it feeds my independence. It feeds my adventure with my dogs. And, uh, and it's just when I'm my happiest, it's just when I'm just traveling with the dogs. Very well said for sure. I think that that is that musher mentality, a hundred percent, whether we're doing sprint mushing expeditions, 
long distance or whatever. Anna, the next question is, is there anyone you want to thank? Anyone you want to give a shout out to? If so, now is there is is there time to shine a little bit here on the episode? Yeah, so I I, uh, I definitely, uh, Rich Kisseloff, um is one of the first people in the sport to, to welcome me. Um, I'm just this, this girl from Georgia back in 2018 uh, that just happened to reach out to him. And he has spent so much time. You know, there's so many people that spent so much time. But, you know, I cannot believe I'm still today. I'm messaging Rich like crazy, like, hey, I can't get my bike pedals off. I think I was messaging him the other day. I was like, I don't want to get my bike pedals off. But, you know, he's stuck with me all these years. And, uh, you know, he's, he, he gave me so much um, encouragement. You know, I'm just this, you know, this girl from Georgia that I'm not a biker. I'm not a runner. I'm not, you know, don't really know that much about, you know, working with the dogs and stuff. But, you know, he's just giving me so much motivation and encouragement that, you know, you could do this, you know, you could do this. Even I, I think it was, you know, the past couple of winters, he's just like, you should apply for, you know, for world championships. It's like, what? What? No, not me. And then here I am. He's got me applying for world championships. And, uh, and so I'm really grateful for people like him that have really, um, encouraged and you know even if I you know wasn't to that level he made me feel like I could be at that level if I if I wanted it and uh you know I definitely I appreciate Joy and Nick uh for sure on their program they really worked me this past season mentally uh not just physically yes they they do work they do um, do the workouts and stuff for me but there was a a mental edge that they for sure gave to me uh this season and then definitely uh Becca Haas uh with her untamed kennel um, her team that uh, she really was one of another people at the very beginning that, you know, gave me really good concepts to apply for the dogs. And, uh, and it's just been great foundation work. And, you know, of course, of course, my parents, <laughs> they're great too. And my husband, even though that he um, prefer us to have zero dogs in the house, he has not abandoned me with all this madness. <laughs> so I appreciate him as well. So many people to thank. And again, that goes right back to the community. And I, I think this is, is just an amazing uh, way to, to really get out there and enjoy your time. I mean, I've been doing this podcast a long time, and it's, it's, really, in, it's really good to see this uh, infectious energy that you have. And I think it's going to be exciting to see what happens with this over the, the next few years, for sure. Anna, before we go, did we miss anything? Anything else you want to mention very briefly here before we close? Uh, no, I just, I, I, I'm just, I'm so proud of the team that's been in the, in the Southern U S that's grabbed a hold of this sport. And, uh, yes, you know, we've kind of, we, we've invested a lot of time and a lot of energy uh, into the sport, but the great community that's been down here to just grab it and light it on fire. It's, it's been great. And, and they've wanted to learn, they've wanted to travel, they've gone up North to, to go and compete and see how they measure up against the North and, and build relationships and bring back lessons learned and what they want to change on their programs and uh, just the great attitudes and the acceptance of the, you know, I, I can't say enough about the acceptance of the sport down here. Um, it's not been a big, you know, taboo thing that, oh, you're, you know, running dogs and, and harness. No, it's, you know, we've gotten involved with rescues. We've gotten involved with all these different, you know, sport uh, dogs. And, and people have just really just um, been very respectful of the sport down here and the growth and excited to, to learn more. And um, 
you know, we're very careful out on the trails and making sure we're not causing a big commotion and making sure we're being respectful of the other people on the trails. Um, but the communities on the trails down here has just been so great with the sport and accepting it and not thinking anything cruel of the sport. And um, again, a lot of the dogs here are pampered, you know, couch dogs as well. But, you know, it just goes to show that people can identify, you know, how well uh, cared for these dogs are in the sport. Uh, so I, I really appreciate the people you know, down here that have really showcased the sport so nicely. Couldn't say it better myself. Anna Marmon is our guest today. Guys, definitely uh, watch this lady. She is up to great things, and uh, I, I highly encourage folks to follow along. And of course, we'll put all sorts of links to what we talked about in our show notes and hopefully be able to link back to some of the people that uh, Anna had mentioned and thanked and uh, gave shout outs to because it is uh, all about building community for sure. And for folks that are listening, I'm sure over this off season, you've had a lot of different conversations in your earbuds. We've talked to Ryan Reddington and Jason Mackey and Matt Failer and Brent Sass and Jamie Perry in the sprint world. And now here with Anna, so many different conversations uh, in this very uh, wide reaching sport for sure. Anna, it was a pleasure having you on, and I look forward to continuing this conversation at another time. Thank you very much. Thank you, Robert. Thank you. On behalf of my guest today, this is Robert for Mushing Radio. We will talk to you guys next time. Goodbye. From First Paw Media, this is Mushing Radio. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we invite you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You will find a link on the episode notes. You can tap or swipe on the episode cover art, and you'll see some offers from our sponsors. You can support our show by supporting them. If you like what you have heard, we would love it if you could give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe too. Your host is Robert Forto. Our producers are Michelle Forto, Alex Stein, and Tony Ryder. Our executive producer is Robert Forto. Created for First Paw Media.